You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Uh, good morning. Welcome to City Church. Uh, welcome to everybody who's here. Welcome to everybody online. We are so glad that you're all here, and we're so glad that you came just as you are. Um, and if you didn't, if you sort of try to put on a little extra, I, I invite you to just take it off and just be whoever you are. So, um, especially if you're at home, take off whatever you want. It's fine. Just, you know, check your camera angle. Um, <laughs> but we're glad you're here. Uh, City Church, we are a radically welcoming community on the journey toward Jesus, joining him in re the renewal of all things. And we're really glad that you're here to be a part of it with us. Um, okay, I guess uh, it's time to pray for kids because uh, then they're going to go out and do some fun stuff and run around. Um, so let's pray. Dear God, Thank you so much for kids. Thank you for how cute they are and how sweet they are. And when they're really little, how good they smell and how soft they are. <laughs> and thank you for their warm little hugs. And um, I pray that you help us to be patient, uh, us being parents and uh, aunts and uncles and teachers and just general adults in the village. Help all of us to be um, patient and caring and loving and compassionate. Help us to think before we speak. Uh, help us to ask questions uh, before we get angry and to try to remember what it was like to be little. And I pray for our kids and I pray that you help them to be patient with us and help us to help them to be um, forgiving of us and help them to be courageous and help us to understand where they're coming from and what they need. I pray for always the queer kids, the queer parents, the parents of the queer kids. I pray for um, any of those kids who aren't happy and are mean. And I pray for the kids who have to deal with those mean kids because they're unhappy. And I pray for extra compassion as the kids try to struggle with, how do I be myself and stand up for myself? How do I hold my ground against the bullies, but also try to love them? And I pray for all of us adults who have to answer those questions too. Um, thank you for being our God and help us to be your people. Amen. Uh, kids can go. And uh, I guess it's time for Bill White. Oh, oh, I forgot. Uh, my name is Tiger and my pronouns are they, them. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Thank you, Tiger. <sighs> All right. Yeah. Hey, I'm, uh, I am Bill White. My pronouns are he, him. And it is very good to be uh, with you guys today. It's super fun. Um, uh, my co-pastor, as some of you may know, is on break this week, which is so awesome. So she's actually at the beach uh, today with her husband. They're, she just got off a three-day retreat of silence, and he just joined her to give her a day where they could just be together, which I think is so great. Um, so we are in a sermon series right now where we've been marching through the book of Hebrews all fall. And the book of Hebrews is one of those books in the New Testament that kind of 
is giving some coaching to this religious group of folks who mostly coming out of Judaism uh, into Christianity and trying to help them understand what it looks like to have an embodied faith, a faith that's not just ideas, but it's practices and it's um, kind of real world based. And so the, the author of the book of Hebrews, we actually don't know who the author is, but we have traditionally um, Christians have assumed all the authors of all the different books of the Bible are male. Um, but the book of Hebrews has no author. We don't know who the author is. And we suspect that one of the reasons is, is because the author was a woman. Now, we don't know that, but so for this series, we've been calling the author of, a, of Hebrews, she. Uh, it seems appropriate that at least once in your church history, you would hear a Bible author referred to as she. Um, so anyway, so the author, she's writing this book and trying to help folks figure out how to connect with God in an embodied way. And we get to chapter 11, and it's, it's the chapter about faith. And let me, let me give you a picture, which is how at various times in my Christian, perhaps some of yours, how some of us have experienced um, how Christians talk about faith. Um, so there's a, there's a mother and daughter who come to City Church on occasion, not very regularly, but, but here and there. Uh, good people, and the daughter is out playing with, with her kids, uh, I mean, with, with some kids, some friends, and fell down and split open her scalp, all right, bled everywhere and big mess. Come run, runs into mom and says, mom, mom, you know, my head hurts, can you help me? Mom takes one look and says, stop kidding with me, I can tell that's ketchup, go out and play with your friends. <laughs> she literally said that to her, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Kid goes back out and plays and more blood comes back in and eventually goes and gets stitches and things work out. Um, kid is now an adult, is not permanently scarred, uh, has a healthy relationship with their mother, uh, which is good. Um, but sometimes what happens to us in church spaces is we, we come in crying and we say something really hurts and Church leaders, particularly people like me, say, oh, it's just ketchup. Go out and play. It's not real. It, it's called, you could call it gaslighting, right? Or it's this sort of, it can feel like, um, well, the word that we're kind of calling the sermon today is we're thinking about toxic positivity. Like, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. And so when we come to this chapter in Hebrews, for those who are churchy people, which is probably about half of us here, um, you might be familiar with, the, with chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, where it's the, it's the hall of faith. And it lists off all these great heroes of faith and who trusted God and great things happened. And sometimes this chapter and other approaches to the Bible like this have been used for those of us who might be experiencing pain to sort of whitewash our pain, to uh, suppress our doubts, to ignore our questions. 
I think as we look in more deeply at what the author is doing here in the book of Hebrews, because what, what, what you do is if you read further into the chapter, right, there are all these names like Abraham did this and Moses was that and, you know, these great heroes, right? But then there's this, there's this section, there's this pairing of two paragraphs side by side, and, the, and it's almost like they're they're meant to be seen together because the author, she knows that we actually have to live by faith in this world. There has to be more. But she's not fooled by the fact that sometimes things are really, really messy. And so we're going to hear that passage today and try to unpack how do you do this faith thing, this journey where you actually trust in a good God in the midst of a world where, I mean, they're, they're crazy wars. They're killing all kinds of civilians. And that's not to mention the horrible stuff in your own heart that comes up sometimes and the things that have happened to you and all this stuff. How do we, how do we hold those two in tension? So the author of Hebrews, she's going to help us today. So if you would welcome uh, Phil and Liz as they come up to read scripture for us today, come on down. So we've, we've got two readers, and uh, so one's reading sort of the more positive side of faith, and one's reading the, the edgier side. So you're, you're starting with the good stuff? Yeah. No oh, good. Lucky you. Um, so we stand typically in, uh, at City Church. If you're online, you don't have to stand. You can. Your camera's off, so it's chill. All right. So this is Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, uh, chapter, verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and brooded foreign armies, women received back their dead, raised to life again. Boom. Strong play. <laughs> there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers, flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith. People of God, this is the word of God. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. That was great. That uh, was perfect. All right, so uh, that, that's quite a passage, right? Like, whoo, good thing the kids went out. Um, I don't want to give many ideas, right? Um, so I want to, we're just going to kind of move through it kind of simply here. Um, so just to take one of the verses from that, that top paragraph that Phil read. This is the, the positive side, right? The triumphant side of faith. That through faith, in verse 33 and 34, they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions and quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword. Right? You're like, yes! 
right? It's that great movie. It's the, you know, all, everything works out in the end. And it's true, right? I mean, there is so much goodness. And, and when I, I like, I, I think about you folks, and I think, man, this is, this is true stuff. Like, you've, you've had miracles happen. I, I know your stories. I know my own stories. Where God has come through. God has healed. God is, has delivered or provided, right? I mean, don't, don't you have those stories? We're gonna we're gonna try this here, and this may be a total flop, which would not be the first time I've done something that's a total flop. But I want you to think on your life, and and you don't need. There's no peer pressure here, right? You don't have to do this, but think about: Has there been a time when you would say, you know what, God really came through? Like that was. That was like a moment. I don't, I don't know how that worked. Maybe I prayed and there was an answer to the prayer or there was some sort of healing or some sign or something. I would love to see a show of hands. Who would say they've had an experience, at least maybe one experience of that in their life? All right, so that's, I mean, that's a lot of us, right? Not, you know, not all of us, but a lot of us would say, yeah. And this is what she's writing about. She's trying to say, like, I see you. This is how it works. God comes through. I, I want to point out one, one phrase in that, in that scripture. If you, maybe we want to throw that up again, Joe, the verse 33 and 34. But, you know, so through faith, they did all these things, including they administered justice. Literally, the word is they enacted. They, they worked justice. They did justice. They, they flipped the script in some situation where there was oppression, injustice, where things weren't right. And by faith, they did that. A lot of times we don't hear that in the church, that that's actually what faith looks like. As well as all these, you know, the, the physical healing or the, you know, the spiritual answer, right? These things. This is what the author of Hebrews, she wants us to know, like, these things are for real. This is what God does, and it's awesome, and we love it. And it's not the only story. It's not the only story, because Liz also read Scripture. And so here's just a, a snippet from what, what she read. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two? Why is that in there? They were killed by the sword. Remember in the, in the verse before, they were, they were delivered from the sword, and here they're killed by the sword. I mean, this is not, this is not pretty stuff. Right? This is, this is folks who are facing all kinds of bad things. Personal crises, situational things, global things. I mean, this is, this is you in your, in your, you know, maybe it's in your classroom or in your school district, in your corporation or in your small church. 
or in your extended family where you prayed this week. This week you prayed, you prayed. And God did not give you the answer to solve that problem. And you felt it. You felt the pain, right? The cancer came back. You prayed and prayed about coming out and that God would protect you. And some of the people who loved you the most treated you like crap. You've been praying, sometimes even fasting, like skipping a meal, either because you're so anxious about it or because you're like, man, I want to set aside that time. I want to pray about this crazy war in Gaza and other places. And the tanks kept rolling. This is what the scriptures is saying is real. This is our experience. In the book of Psalms, at one point, uh, one of the authors cries out and says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Because there's been no answer, and no answer, and no answer. And that's the prayer book of the Bible, the book of Psalms. This is our experience. And so I'd love for you to humor me. Think about your own life. Think about, has there been a prayer that has gone unanswered? A pain that you have received? Is there some suffering in the world that matters to you and you've actually worked for justice and it has not come? Think about your life. I would love to see a show of hands. How many people have experienced this? So many. So many. And we get to just sit with that. Uh, one of the leaders around City Church, they, were text, they texted me last week. It's a great text. And I asked him for permission. I said, hey, could I share this? They said, sure. Um, you want to put that up? Thanks, Joe. Um, when I was making breakfast, I was thinking, why, God, do I sometimes feel like you're so far away from me? And I suddenly realized my thoughts were like a psalm, which is a prayer. It made me feel good. And like, yeah, he's there, even if it doesn't feel like it. Right? I mean, there's this sort of miraculous moment where you're like, oh, oh, that's, that's part of the spiritual journey too. This is this normal. It's okay. And maybe that's part of our prayer. Maybe that's one of the really good prayers we get to pray. Besides the thank you, God, for this miracle that we have experienced, or this answer to prayer, or to a peace resolution in an area of conflict. But there's some very real prayers that are super sad, heart-rending, heartbreaking. 
In some ways, the prayer that lacks faith is one of the best prayers there is. Like, God, I don't see you at work. It's hard for me to believe you're there. That's a pretty great prayer, at least according to the Scriptures. So the trick is, in this, is that the, the last verse of the sections that Phil and Liz read for us today is Hebrews 11, verse 39. After, after both of those paragraphs, she writes, these were all commended for their faith. How awesome is that? The ones who were rescued from the sword and the ones who, were, who died by the sword were both commended for their faith. They were both honored. Their experiences were validated. Like, yes, you are still faithful. Um, Over the last 10 years or so, reading some theologians different from my upbringing has been really helpful. Um, There's some liberation theologians who I've experienced kind of later in my life as being better able to hold the tension of these than some of the theologians I grew up on in my spirituality, which tended to be more one-sided, more triumphalistic, right? That all is good. It's It's always good. So one of those is James Cone, who's sort of the, the father of, um, Ameri- uh, on the American side of liberation theology. He writes this 50, 60, 70 years ago. Suffering naturally gives rise to doubt. How can one believe in God in the face of such horrendous suffering as slavery, segregation, and the lynching tree? Under these circumstances, doubt is not a denial but an integral part of faith. It keeps faith from being sure of itself. But doubt does not have the final word. The final word is faith, giving rise to hope. Somehow they can live together. These two stories of faith and miraculous answers and faith and no miraculous answers. And sometimes the doubts and the questions and the difficulties, they're actually integral to what it means to actually believe. So one of the folks who learned from James Cone, uh, maybe you're familiar with James Baldwin, uh, just a remarkable thinker, uh, theologian, activist, read his stuff. But he, he, he's, he's facing the reality of, of being a, a black queer man in America when civil rights are just not a thing. Gay rights are just nowhere even on the horizon. And he's looking at, at this experience of being dismissed, of being gaslit, of kind of the toxic positivity. And he experienced it, particularly in the church. He was a minister for a little while. Um, boy, he really has some things to say about, about the church, which we should listen to. Um, but he wrote this at one point. 
Uh, he said, I think it's better to know that you don't know. That that way you can grow with the mystery as the mystery grows in you. But these days, of course, everybody knows everything. That's why so many people are lost. Right? There's, there's a sense with... I, I want to have all the answers. It's so uncomfortable for me when you show up in my life and your life is falling apart and I really don't want it to splash over here. When you've got these questions and God didn't save your mother, even though you're a teenager and you were praying and she should have been saved, but she wasn't. And, and so I want to dismiss that. And so I have this nice, clean kind of postable on social media, just trust in God, all will be well. And I'd sort of just push the pain away. You know, and, and, you know, James Baldwin was, you know, famous for talking about, you know, the, particularly white folks and a lot of Christian folks would say, you know, you just need to wait a little while longer for justice, right? <laughs> I've been, I mean, I've been waiting how long am I supposed to wait? Are you just going to one day just wake up and sort of give it to me? Like, is that how this works? Remember, working justice is part of this journey of faith, of following Jesus, right? Part of the renewal of all things. But too often we, particularly those with more privilege than others or um, with a religious faith that has somehow insulated them from the world, we just say, oh, that just looks like ketchup. You know, and we smile and send them back out to play. Um, but ultimately, faith is less a clear certainty about a set of doctrines and more a deep grounding in being loved. And the quest for certainty so often is a distraction from the, the deeper work of knowing who you are in Christ. That you are the beloved of God. And somehow it's in that mystery of God does answer prayer. And God doesn't answer prayer. Of the miracles do happen, and the suffering is still here. That's where we, that's where we sit, here in the middle, and we hold that tension. I was driving back from the desert this morning, um, and my... Uh, my wife, we were, we were talking in the car, Katie and I were about, uh, about this stuff, and, and she said this. I, I said, I was driving, I said, would you mind texting me that, honey? Because I think I might. You're kind of helping me with the sermon. Thank you for preaching it. She says, there's mystery in professions. She's a, she works with folks without health insurance. She's in the medical field. There's mystery in professions like healthcare or counseling where you sit with people who are suffering deeply. And you look with them for moments of light or hope or joy. Sometimes you wonder whether there will be any light or joy. And you marvel at others' abilities to endure. 
And sometimes you just sit in the dark. And it's about being there in that dark mystery without a sense of what is next. So it depends where you are in the journey. Sometimes you just sit with others, or sometimes you just sit with yourself. And sometimes there's a toxic negativity, and we've talked about that recently, that's not what we're focusing on today, but there's a cynicism that says, well, all will be bad. And that's not healthy either. That's not, that's not the journey with Jesus. But it's, it's this mystery. So my son was in the back, and, and he chimed in. I'm like, hey, text me that too. <laughs> I'll, I'll have you guys preach my sermon this morning. And, uh, and Timothy said, uh, <clears throat> when it comes to faith, I can't really wrap my head around it completely. It's slippery. There are always questions at the edges, but that's what allows for growth. Right? That's where, that's where the growth comes from. By the way, the, the kids are all part of this, so they're, they're, they're supposed to be chiming in. That's, that's part, of, part of the gift of today. Sorry they're not like super clean, clear answers today in this text, but you heard the text read. There are remarkable deliverances, and there are stunning moments of agony. And yet Jesus is real in it all. Because again, faith is not a clear certainty, but rather a deep groundedness. It's less about thinking and more about knowing. And knowing in the biblical sense, not knowing your times table. Right? But it's, it's me, I, I know my son. Right? I, I know him. And that's what faith is. Um, I'd like to invite up our friend David Mercier, who's going to finally bring clarity to all of this. Um, so if you'd welcome David. <laughs> um, David is on our board and uh, has been around. How long? How long? It's come step dead center, man. You, you're, you're big time um, now. I started coming in the beginning of 2017. So you've been here a long time. Yeah. Um, why did you come and why did you come back? Um, I had just moved back to California. I was working my way through a list of churches, and I just felt connected when I came here. Huh. And then this weird guy made me go out to coffee with him and told me his whole vision for the church, and I just kept coming back. Uh, all right, all right. So... Um, and what were you, at that point in time, what were you doing for a living? I was officially a missionary with a conservative, small nonprofit that was based in Indiana. All right. And, and what did you guys do? We worked, they still do, but I worked with foster and orphan, foster children and orphans in Russia. Okay. All right. Great. Um, so, David, for those of you who know David... Um, you're a positive guy. Would you call yourself an optimist? I've always thought uh, of you as an optimist. Yeah, I'd, I would refer to myself as an optimistic person. Okay. Um, so when has that worked well for you? And maybe when has that not worked so well for you? 
Um, let's, 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 you know. I would say, like, I approach most things with, like, it'll work out or, like, I can figure this out as we go. I, I am a planner, and I do like to know what's on the horizon, but, like, when you asked me about this, one of the first things I thought of was when I bought my first house and I, was, I broke my lawnmower and I was like, oh, I can take this apart and figure out what, what's wrong with it. And I've never worked with an engine before in my life. Uh, it is so nice to be an optimist. You actually just think, yeah, this is going to work out fine. You know, YouTube was there for me, so we figured it out. <laughs> All right. And when has it not worked out so well for you? Are there, are there or does it always work out? No. Um, so I started going to college with um the plan was my parents were going to cover the cost of college for me and after my first semester where i took out a loan that my parents were going to be making payments on and that wasn't happening and then i had to get go <laughs> oh, further and no, further down the road no, no. it turned out that they decided not to cover the cost of my college <sighs> but i decided to stick with it because i felt very adamant to go to taylor university um and then it ended up taking me almost 14 years to pay off oh. all of my debt for that. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry, dude. But, you know, it kind of worked out, I guess. <laughs> After, 14 After 14 years. After 14 years of struggle. Um, okay, all right. Um, so this whole idea of toxic positivity. I mean, you were yeah. like a good Christian missionary for a long time. And I mean, now you're on our board. Like, you're like a yeah. real Christian. Don't, I would caution, like, if you have to work for a Christian organization, I would look for another job. <laughs> what are you saying to me? <laughs> okay, all right. So um, have you had some experiences where you felt like you were gaslit or kind of this, like, oh, everything is going to be positive, yeah. sort of used against you? Yes. Um, so I would say, like, most of the time if i'm going to approach you to clear the air or get you know like um, work something out like i've probably in my like alone have given you a lot of chances and forgiven you forgotten a lot of grief before i'm actually coming to you to mm -hmm. sort whatever that tipping point is you know uh, there was one time where i was living in russia and i had a roommate that was a part of my team and it was the first time I had a roommate in like eight years and didn't get to pick this guy and uh he was like eight or nine years younger than me so it, it was a lot of like it was a struggle <laughs> it was, it was like, we'll just leave it at that yeah it was a struggle um and tension was building over the several months and finally I uh, called my boss back home in Indiana and was like I can't, I'm, I need to leave, like we're done, I'm done here. And I'd been working with the organization for like nine years at that Ooh, point. Wow. Um, so they, he, my boss decided like, we need to have a Skype, this is pre-Zoom, and um, hash everything out, like air everything and like work through it. And so we did all of that and we got to the work through it part. And he was like, okay, so now you guys need to forgive each other and we're not gonna end this call until you can, everyone can say that they have a happy heart. And, <laughs> you know, my boss but He like, said happy heart. Happy heart. Happy, okay, heart, happy, was heart, a, happy heart was like a daily happy. phrase in the organization. Oh, a happy heart. So that was easy for yeah. the guy who's like 9,000 miles away and not stuck in this tiny apartment for another four months. 
um, in winter. In winter, yeah. Um, <laughs> and we weren't supposed to be out after dark at the for safety. Um, so that was that was a very rough, rough. Right. Right. Time. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, and tell us, like, what do you? Like when you think about some of the negative stuff, like the pain, the suffering, yeah. stuff in the world. I mean, you have a warm faith, right? You love God. Uh, that's that's super evident in your life. You love to pray. Um, what do you do with that stuff? How does how does that does it take away from the positivity? Does it sort of integrate with it? Is it separate? Like I don't. I, I mean, I, just just share just a little bit of your story. Yeah. Um, I think like like in simply as I could put it love outweighs pain or suffering mm -hmm. in my um, thought process. I think practically that's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of moments of wrestling with how do you hold that, you know, like, um, I think it's, I think it's really complicated if you approach it with faith has to be black and white. Like you're not, I don't think you're gonna have, um, I don't think you're gonna have a resolution if that's how you're approaching faith. But I think if you, when I read the Bible and I I walk away with love is the overarch, over, oh, what's the word? Overarching? Overarching theme of yeah. the, of mm -hmm. the, all of the books. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also, you know, like, some of the things that you've mentioned some that are huge major um, worldwide sadness that's happening or tension with the family like in all of that i i kind of look at that through the lens of sin mm -hmm. sin is corrupting this sin is corrupting that mm -hmm. and um thinking about god as like a parent figure you know, there's going to be time where there's hurt and there's pain, but the foundation there is love. And that's, that's what keeps me positive. That's what keeps me going, knowing that, so focusing good. on that. So good. Um, typically, when we invite people up, we also give them the opportunity yes. if they would like to ask a question. Yes. I can't believe we do this, but we do. <laughs> um, so if you had a question, great. If not, it would make me happy. Um, so it's been a long time since I've sat down and tried to evangelize somebody with, you know, one of my awesome thought processes and conversations. Um, but I would be curious, like, when, when you're having a conversation about faith with somebody who is only focusing on, like, why do the bad things happen? Or why does God allow these bad things to happen? Like, what do you give them to think about or um what's like a way that you approach that to kind of help help them start to shift away from like that everything bad in the world is being allowed to happen it's, that's kind of easy <laughs> i don't know, feel like why do i need to answer that like, um yeah whew. um you know i i would say I've definitely shifted a lot over over the years. Um, I mean, I used to have kind of my set of answers. Um, well, think about this and think about this and this scripture. And I think now I just kind of, yeah, tell me more. That does sound really hard. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, I don't, I'm not sure I understand why. There's a lot of suffering in the world. And um, I, I mean, and, and this is me, but like, I'm a big fan of Jesus and feel like, um, you know, he, he was called in one of the prophecies that he was um, a man of sorrows and well acquainted with suffering, or well acquainted with grief. Um, sometimes I'll mention that. I think more and more now, I don't. I just like, yeah, wow. Yeah. That is, what, what's that been like for you? And I, I don't know, for me, it just seems like sometimes just being with someone might, might be better. Yeah. I don't know if that's evangelism, but it feels like love. Yeah. Thank you. Thank I, you. I uh, can go now. <laughs> yeah, you can go now. <laughs> oh, man.